Welcome to The Recovering Perfectionist, where you'll learn all the hacks you need to get started and finished on your business or project. You'll connect with successful entrepreneurs who are in perfectionist rehab, unapologetically experimenting and balancing life, business, family, and me time. I'm your host and Chief Recovering Perfectionist, Claire Barton. Hey everyone, it's Claire at The Recovering Perfectionist. Thanks for tuning into the show today. I have got Felicity O'Connor on the show today and Felicity and I have been working together for a bit over a year. Uh, I've been helping her in her business. I started off doing some kind of VA work with her and then um, ops management and now we do a lot more strategy and um, high level stuff, which is really cool. Um, and so I know the back end of her business very well. Um, I've helped her create a lot of it and I've created a lot of, um, all of those systems and strategies and all that sort of thing that, you know, I love. Um, and I know obviously quite a bit about what she does, but I've never kind of seen it totally in action and talked about all of the in-depth stuff with her. So that's what I really wanted to get to the bottom of today. So as you'll hear in the episode, Felicity is a professional artist. She's an art therapist, she is a creativity coach, and she's a registered psychologist, and she works in her own um, psychology practice for several days a week as well. So she's absolutely amazing. She's a wealth of knowledge. She really, really gets stuff, and something that she talks about a lot in her one-on-one and in her social media and in her content and in her podcast, which is called This Creative Life, if you want to check her out there as well. Um, is around limiting beliefs and what is holding us back creatively from uh, getting things done that we want to in our creative lives and all of that sort of thing. So I really wanted to explore a bit more about what that meant to her um, and what sort of processes she takes her um, her clients through. So that's what we really sort of talk about. And interestingly, she's got a beautiful take on perfectionism and what that actually means and what it all boils down to. So have a listen and I'd love to know what you think. Hi everyone, it's Claire from The Recovering Perfectionist and I'm here with Felicity O'Connor who is absolutely amazing at 5,000 things and a couple of those things <laughs> is that she is a, uh, a creativity coach, an art therapist, a professional artist and a practicing psychologist. So they're just a couple of the amazing things. She's also one of my favorite and longest term um, clients and we've been working together for a little while. So thanks so much for coming on the show, Felicity. Thank you. Thank you. It's so funny, isn't it? Like doing it this way round. We're usually just like scrambling to ask you, can you help me fix this? Can you help me do that, Claire? And here we are and you seem in charge today. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little um, change of the dynamics. It's very cool. Um, and look, we've obviously been working together for a bit over a year now and I um, help you with a lot of the strategy and sort of back end things of your business, which is super cool. So I know a lot about how your business works and how your business runs and all of the logistics and the ins and outs and the operations and all of that sort of thing. Um, but I'm super excited today to talk to you a bit more um, in a lot more detail actually about what some of the things are that you actually do with your clients and with your tribe and the people who um, absolutely love the pants off you as well. So I know, um, you know, there's so many, so many parts um, to what you do in terms of being a professional artist and having your amazing um, art gallery in Sydney and also being part of lots of art ex, um, exhibits and exhibitions. Um, you tour around a lot, you hold workshops, you do some speaking, you hold a beautiful online course that you're about to launch the fourth round of. In fact, by the time this goes to air, you'll be in the middle of the fourth round. Um, and you also 
work a day job as a practicing psychologist. So I'll hand over to you to tell us a little bit more articulately what it is that you do and who you are and all of your businesses and that sort of thing, and then we'll get started. Well, thanks. Thanks, Claire. It's interesting to sort of hear that all fed back to me because I think, yeah, no wonder I feel a bit busy when I hear that I'm actually doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. Just to clarify, nobody actually loves the pants literally off me except maybe my husband. But yeah, just, right. just want to clarify that right now. Okay. <laughs> I, I am a professional. I am a professional, I promise. <laughs> well, uh, we, and we were just laughing before we, we came to air, weren't we, because I um, didn't realise that, that Claire was going to be running the cameras. So I feel extraordinarily unprofessional in some ways. So I've literally just stepped out of my studio um, where I was painting for a few hours this morning um, and jumped on a call. So professional probably isn't exactly how I'm going to look, but here we are. Um, it's called raw, yeah. real authenticity. It's totally cool. It's definitely a thing. And I'm, I'm totally into that. And in actual <laughs> fact, you know, one, one of the things that I'm often talking to artists about is how to become that authentic self and how to get over the fear of, of doing that. And um, as you certainly are the expert in the old perfectionist stuff, <laughs> we know how much that can trip us up to um, actually being our authentic mm. selves. Um, I think that's really true. So I would be dealing with that really commonly in a lot of artists that I'm doing coaching work with, as you know, mm. and um, many, many of them that, that um, have heard of and been part of The Artist's Way, which just to clarify what that is, The Artist's Way is um, a wonderful book that was a gift to us as creative people, if you like, from a woman called Julia Cameron who wrote that book close on 20 years ago. Mm. Um, and so a lot of... A lot of people that um, are sort of in creative fields know of that book or it's one of those things they have and it sits on their shelf and they never got back to it or around mm. to it or finished it or, or whatever. So it's really interesting to cross over what you're doing and what I'm, I'm doing, particularly around that perfectionist stuff, Claire. And so I do a fair bit of work on that. I do a fair bit of work with people on the things, things like limiting beliefs and I do a lot of work on fear because if we distill all that stuff down, you know, procrastination, perfectionism, self-doubt, lack of confidence, um, self-sabotage. If we, if we distill all that shit down, what you will find if you filtered it is at the bottom fear. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that's one of those common known or perhaps not quite known but sort of sensed um, issues that a lot of your audience will have because we all do. We all do. And it's how we tackle that stuff that really matters. Um, it's how we go on interpreting experiences in our life that actually matters. It's our interpretation of what happens to us mm. that is the key. You know, um, you're, you're like me, you're kind of a glass huffle sort of a person, but nevertheless, when things don't go well for us, you know, we, we have patterns um, mm. and habits of thinking and and if some of those aren't fantastic habits and patterns it can be a short moment between interpreting an experience in a positive way or starting to interpret it as a negative way like mm. i was rejected or yes. yeah yeah i wasn't wanted or um they didn't like me mm. and so that's the stuff i am absolutely passionate about in terms of human behavior i mean i'm fascinated in human behavior as, mm. as you know and i've been a therapist for over 20 years so i'm really interested in how that works for people i'm really interested in the process of healing that in people because fear is going to be the roadblock isn't it mm. fear and limiting beliefs are the roadblocks to, mm. to progress 
and whether that's progress in your creativity, progress in your business, progress in your relationship, progress in your finances, yeah. progress in your health, whatever the topic there, you know, if fear and limiting beliefs are the roadblock, we're really not going to get very far. And if we don't make progress, we won't be happy. Progress is the thing that actually makes us happy. That's interesting you say that. I came across a quote a little while ago when I was creating slides for a webinar on uh, business review of all things, and it said something along the lines of um, uh, contentment or satisfaction isn't found in the end product. It's found in the journey or the process or something like that. And I was a bit like, really? Like I feel really happy when I can tick a box and I've done something or I've achieved a goal or something like that. But I guess on reflection, every time that happens, you put a new goal in place and you start another process because that's kind of, I guess it's true, like that's part of the process and like how, how you feel about the end product is always going to be impacted by what the process has been like, whether it's been good or bad. So is that sort of the, the, the sort of thing that you're saying as well, that the process has yeah, to be? Yeah, I suppose process, process, yeah, I mean, I, I would say process, if the process gives you a feeling of progress, Mm. then you, you're going to feel good about it. Mm-hmm. If you see there's progress uh, losing weight, if you know if you can actually measure that progress, even though you may not have achieved the outcome, but you feel you're making progress, you will actually have an enormous amount of satisfaction. Mm. And motivation to keep doing the same sort of thing. You'll have motivation, you'll feel more confident, you'll feel happier, um, absolutely. So progress is really, really important. The flip side of progress is, well, I, w- I would say something like being stuck. Mm. If, if you're not making progress, then you're feeling stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've all had periods of, of, of time um, of feeling stuck in our lives. Some oh, of those yeah. periods, yeah. <laughs> Some of those periods can last long periods, can't they? Some of that time can be long. Sometimes it's just during one day you can have you know, a few hours of just, just being stuck. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, certainly if I think about my own creative process as a painter, um, as an artist, um, God, you know, you can just have a, a, a little period of just in a, in a process of a few hours in the studio of being stuck on something and it's, it's really, it can be quite de- debilitating, again, mm. depending on how you interpret that. Mm. If you interpret that as this is just a stuck thing but I'm still making progress and I'm going to come through it because mm. I always do, if, I, if that's the way I see that experience, then I'm going to handle it a lot better and my stress level's going to be in check and I'm not going to give up. If, however, I interpreted that story, that experience of being stuck as I'm hopeless, I can't make this, I'm um, not good enough, mm. then if that's the way I interpret being stuck in that, in that moment, then, then clearly I'm much more likely to give up. Mm. And so um, I have two questions around that. Number one is when, like, what's, what do you kind of, what's the way of reframing that? And is it as simple as the language that you're using to yourself in terms of going, oh, this is just part of that process, that's okay, I know it's gonna, I'm going to come out of it um, and trying to reframe it? Or is there something else? Because it's, you know, it's all well and good for us to say, oh, we'll just reframe it and just be like, oh, well, I've just, I'm just stuck for a few hours, it's okay, I'll be good. Because when you're in the moment, it's really hard to kind of to, to do that. But is, there, is it just a, like a pattern and trying to get into a new habit of doing that sort of thing? Or is there something, you know, more practical that you can kind of, work on to to make it easier the next time yeah it's a, it's a really great great question because we probably all can recognize some familiarity with that experience but then we don't all 
know exactly what to do or we don't do what we do know which is actually more common commonly yeah. the case you know we often know what to do we know how to get fit we know how to lose weight but we don't do it right <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that we always don't know what to do um, however in this case it can be a bit confusing to know what to do in the moment so I'd answer that two ways to say there isn't there isn't in the moment kind of thing that we could do when we get overwhelmed in that stuck um, or fear or, or you know perfectionist kind of place there is that and then I would that's the microcosm if you like that's the in the moment sort of small picture thing but then the second part of how to to deal with that is is the bigger picture thing and that's that's a bigger process um, around clearing what I call your limiting beliefs so that goes back to the story that you have about mm. yourself um, and how you are interpreting the world you in the world and so that's that's so there's two parts to that so let's answer the the short one first shall we and and that's in the moment stuff i would say a couple of things about that um i think you need to be conscious of how you interpret those experiences mm -hmm. so what what am, how am i interpreting the fact i can't i can't get on with um recording my webinar or mm -hmm. recording my podcast or yeah. finishing my creative project like mm -hmm. how am i actually understanding that to myself yeah. so observing the process what, is the first kind of observing uh, yes yes observing the process observing the language understanding what you're doing to yourself because you're thinking and this is sort of psychology 101 your thoughts come first and your feelings come second and then right. your behavior the thing you do or don't do comes third right mm -hmm. so it's always in that direction thoughts feelings behavior right okay. so Understanding what you're thinking is is crucial at the beginning because mm. that's going to affect how you feel and that's going to affect what you then do or don't do. Yeah. So becoming aware firstly, okay, this is the story I start up. This is how I start interpreting this experience. Um, this is this is what I start saying to myself. That's the first part in the immediate moment. The second thing I would say is about reconditioning your responses mm. so to you want to actually break the habit of whatever that is because it's let's assume it's a negative thing going on right so we want to actually break the conditioning that when i get a rejection let's say um i have a couple of choices i can go back to the story i'm familiar with and how i interpret the world as nobody loves me i'm not good enough etc etc or i can try and break the pattern so i receive rejection now I want to do something different. And one of the, the great ways to break a, 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 a pattern like that or a, a conditioned response is to do something quite vigorous and physical. Mm -hmm. So actually move yourself out of your sort of head um, yeah. where all this thought stuff is beginning mm -hmm. and actually get up and do something really physical. So um, it, it might just be a short burst of 10 minutes of, of something. Um, you know, something as vigorous as, say, a skipping rope, um, a trampoline. Mm -hmm. um, dancing uh, if you can go out for a jog uh, if you've got a cycle you know a bike stationary bike at home an exercise bike you can go crazy on it do something crazy for 10 minutes that's mm. very physical put music on if you need to jiggle around move the energy move the space mm. change your state mm. so we want to go from one state to a different state from something that was painful and in our heads and our old habit to something that completely changed the state Hmm. that we're in and you, you'll be amazed how that deals with that in the moment stuff so mm -hmm. that's the kind of short in the moment stuff that I would 
just answer that question with. Mm -hmm. The longer term picture, of course, is you need to be dealing with those limiting beliefs. Mm, yeah. So that's, that's a, um, I guess, something that takes a little bit more thought and care and someone to guide you through. Mm. Um, someone that, you know, there isn't like a book, a handbook I can go and recommend on that one. That's yeah. <laughs> something that you probably need a qualified person to mm. um, go through an effective process mm. with you to yeah. really clear those limiting beliefs. Because it can be quite a, an in-depth thing. I know I've done a little bit of this sort of work with psychotherapists or hypnotherapists and it's like once you uncover one layer, it kind of goes a little bit deeper and it goes a little bit deeper and then all of a sudden I, I imagine that, you know, some of the things that I've kind of gone back to that have been kind of not traumatic or just overly disturbing but that have, you know, kind of opened up some old wounds and that sort of thing. If you kind of get there by yourself and you've got no one who's kind of gone on, on that little process or journey with you, it can actually be quite dangerous and um, and quite scary if you kind of haven't got someone to help you claw your way out of it or work through it or, you know, all that sort of thing. So I think that's a really um, a really good point. But at the same time, if you have got someone who's sort of guiding you and leading you through that and doing it in a really safe and supported way, it's amazing the, the sort of differences you can get. Like I, um, I may have talked on the podcast before, I can't remember, about um, I worked with a hypnotherapist for four or five sessions um, around body image and all of that sort of thing and something that came through as a she did like a um, an age regression thing with me and it went back to when I was about three or four years old and I you know once I remembered it I remembered it I remembered this um, thing that had happened and through my adult eyes I was like that's not a big thing what's like what's the big deal why did I get so upset but I could also see as a three-year-old how it was really sad and it was really traumatic and it was really hard and it was really hurtful and that sort of thing but that mm. has you know has kind of um uh, guided some of my deep-seated beliefs and all of that sort of thing. So, you know, once I can kind of get through that and I understand it and now also being a parent, I can understand I would have done exactly the same thing if it was my child because I was scared for them, but the response, you know, all that sort of thing was was quite quite amazing. But just having that understanding and having kind of gone back through that and having someone like yourself who's a therapist who can kind of go, you know, these are some of the reasons and some of the things and some of the things that you can do to kind of move forward from here was just amazing. And it had made such a big difference um, for me now as an, as a grown up. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, look, that's, that's fantastic. And, and well done to you, because I mean, I think it sometimes takes a fair bit of courage to, to make that step and make yeah. the decision that you're going to invest in yourself in that way and get that yeah. sort of support and understanding yeah. but um you know what we know don't we is that if that's not addressed in yourself then you're either going to consciously or unconsciously sabotage your progress mm. and so if you if you're in business whatever the business is you know that's that's not going to be good but you will trip yourself up you know i often talk about artists being their own worst enemies because <laughs> how many artists do you know they really are often their own worst yeah. enemies yeah and entrepreneurs so are their own worst enemies too right like people who they, um yep. and i think it's you know like you said it's a perfectionism thing or a control thing or a um you know ha having this kind of limiting belief that like you said it all boils down to fear and i've also heard people say that avoidance uh, sorry that pe perfectionism is actually usually a, t a type of avoidance so if you're trying to do something perfectly you never finish something or you never start something because you know it's kind of a defense mechanism you're protecting yourself from um, failure, embarrassment, looking stupid, um, wasting money, wasting time, all of that sort of thing. Like it, all of that sort of thing, like you said, really boils down to fear. So mm. it can be a bit of a scary thing to kind of navigate. 
Well, yeah, and look, I mean, I suppose the, the misconception is that once we knock this out of the park, we'll, we'll suddenly be these fearless warriors that yeah. are uh, making millions. Not a um, thing. We might make the millions, but <laughs> hopefully we will. But um, it's not a thing, that's right. You don't knock it out of the park and live without fear. It goes for that, um, yeah goes away nor, yeah. nor do you want to there is a good reason that that uh, we have fear as part mm. of our experience right um keeps us alive and stuff right keeps us alive keeps <laughs> us alive exactly kind of important so <laughs> kind of important yeah we don't really want to lose it altogether and um, we want to manage it and i think you know i i often i love that saying you know new new devil new level new devil mm. um especially for entrepreneurs because that's we and for artists you know every every level that you achieve and and break through to the next level a whole lot of new fear mm. in a different you know guise comes mm. comes up doesn't it and then yeah. we've got to tackle the next thing so yeah. um you know in your introduction you mentioned the gallery that that as a as an artist i'm part of now in in sydney and i was just thinking about that very thing in relationship to that you know making the commitment um financial time and artistic commitment was a big step for me because suddenly I was in a permanent gallery on mm. display in a, in a prominent um, place in Sydney and absolutely it was next level, next level, but up comes the fear that I, you know, <laughs> I might, mightn't sell anything, that I mightn't be received well, that the gallery won't keep me, that I can't perform, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so there we go, new, new level, new devil, just then we have to have these skills and strategies yeah. and, and how to manage things like, like fear and um, perfectionism. And, and, and so is, is fear, as you were talking about it then, are those fears that you were thinking, are they the same as limiting beliefs or is there a differentiation between the two? So um, limiting beliefs tend to be more about the story that you tell yourself about yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm interested um, to know more about limiting beliefs because I think that's yep. a, um, like people do talk about fear quite a bit, but limiting beliefs is, um, I, I think it's probably a phrase that's used a little bit, but I'd really love to understand a little bit more about about all of that like how how do we create them or who creates these limiting beliefs and where do they come from and and what can we do with them yeah well they're super they're super important to understand um for ourselves uh, everybody you know really needs to know uh what the story is for themselves in that um if you think about a belief meaning that the interpretation of the belief of a of a belief the way i see it is a belief is being certain about the meaning of something mm-hmm certain about the meaning of something okay so um you know depending on going back to how you interpret things uh how you see the world will depend on your the way you believe about being you know about a particular meaning of something and that's all shaped by your belief your limit if your beliefs are limiting such as, um, you know, that some of the common limiting beliefs might be I'm not good enough. Mm. That's a really, really common limiting belief. So mm. if you deep down hold that belief about yourself, I'm not good enough, what it does, it's a story that rolls on through often throughout people's lives. It's, mm. It starts early on in quite often in, in childhood. You've had experiences, you've, you've seen things, you've heard things, you've been told things about yourself in the world early on that got all sort of put together 
and you started to go, oh, well, that must be the truth. Right. I'm, I'm not good enough because mm. I, keep, I failed my maths class or um, I'm, I'm told I'm not good at art. I mean, that's mm. a common story I'm often dealing with with people. <laughs> um, and then perhaps, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, chosen to be in the cool peer group. Or there's a couple of things then that happen in childhood that we, we have this incredible system in our brain called the RAS system or the reticular activated system that filters things. Now, we need to have a filter because we've got so much stimulus around us, our brain can't cope with everything. So it needs to pick things out to focus on. Now, the interesting thing is if you start to form early on in your life a belief that I'm not good enough, what do you think happens with the filter? Mm, it, gets, it gets stronger with that one, doesn't it? It picks out all the evidence... Mm. evidence that I'm not good enough and it, and it misses Gosh. out on the, the counter evidence to that. Now, for some unfortunate people where they needed someone like an adult in childhood to step in and, and actually address that story and change the story by saying, you know what, you didn't, you didn't get first prize in art, but my God, you do so many good drawings. You know, these are really fantastic. Let's wrap them up and give them to people's yeah. Christmas presents. So I, I don't know, you know, like yeah. if there was an adult that corrected that story, we'd probably be fine. Often there isn't, there isn't someone that's done that just at the mm -hmm. right time because, you know, parents aren't perfect and the adults around us are not always perfect, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, uh, that didn't get corrected and then your, your brain has this filter system that picks out more and more evidence to suggest you're not good enough. You form a belief. So now the belief I'm not good enough, remember a belief is being certain about the meaning of things. So now I'm certain that when I don't get picked here or my um, boyfriend leaves me or I don't get the flat I was applying for, these things start happening in life. Mm. I'm certain it's because I'm not good enough. That's, mm. that's the un unconscious, usually unconscious interpretation we start making uh, and that's what a limiting belief is. And so you can see how incredibly important it is to deal with that because if you carry on that belief throughout your adulthood, which people do mm. commonly, then it's going to affect every choice they mm. make. If I don't believe I'm good enough, do you think I'm going to shop for the right sort of healthy foods or am I just going to go for the donuts that make me feel good? Right, yeah. yeah. It, am I going to stick in a bad relationship that's kind of unsupportive and toxic to me or am I going to say, you know, piss that off and choose something that's really yeah. empowering, yeah. people empowering that, that support me. I mean, you can see how it just mm. is going to influence every choice that you make. That's why limiting beliefs are so important to clear. Mm. And uh, so to do understand. people have limiting beliefs? And obviously we all probably have some form of, limit, of limiting beliefs, but do people know they've got limiting beliefs or do they just think, like uh, I'm, I'm fat, so I'm just fat. Like they don't realise that it's actually this sort of belief that I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough to um, nourish myself or I'm not good enough to have a great relationship or I'm not good enough to go for that job promotion or start a business or that sort of thing. Like do they know that there's um, this belief that I'm not good enough or is it kind of masked by a whole heap of other externalised kind of that's a great question and I don't I, I suppose it might depend a little bit but I would say um well well probably in general conversation we don't say hey you know what's your limiting <laughs> belief this is mine right you know like that's kind of we don't use that language yeah, unless you're in my world we don't as, say as oh I'm not doing that because I'm not good enough <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I don't really believe in myself, so give me three. Um, <laughs> no, we don't, do we? So no. um, we don't have it at that level of consciousness. However, we probably have a bit of a hunch that we do self-sabotage. Yeah. And, and we probably go, oh, jeez, you know, I just... You, you know when you've been in a, in a bad relationship too long mm-hmm. and you're still in it and you go, I really shouldn't be in this. This is really shit. Mm. You know, and you just, you know, and you kind of know it's got something to do with you not standing up for yourself or, um, you know, you, mm. not giving yourself enough priority. You sort of know that. It's not like you don't know it, but it's back to that thing, like I said before, often we know you know, we know it's something, but we don't necessarily act on it. Mm-hmm. You're not acting on it because of that limiting belief. You're not good enough. So you yeah, stay right. in the bad relationship yeah. because it's evidence, it's proof of that belief. It's so annoying. I just want them all to yes. go away. <laughs> so Come and talk to me. <laughs> um, I have a question, obviously, about the parenting thing. Um, and I was talking to someone else about this earlier on the podcast about um, body image and how we are so worried about you know, like for me, I've got, I've, I think I've got fairly good body image, but I still like, I'm still not in love with my body and all that sort of thing. And I was talking to someone else who in the past has had an eating disorder. Um, and she's very um, conscious of using the right kind of role modeling and the right language for her daughter as I am for my kids, because I just like, I see things that I've done that I wish I had the confidence to do 10 years ago um, that I hope that my kids can see me role modeling now and can see all of that stuff, you know, but I know like I've had my, my um, four year old come home from school and from daycare and say, so-and-so said, I've got a big fat tummy. And I'm like, what? We are not doing this. You're only four years old. I mean, you're not getting a complex, but you know, there's obviously all, all going to be all of these sort of external things. But like you just said before, if there's, um, you know, something that we can, we can obviously see, and you know, some kids are really good at hiding it. I know I was when I was a kid, but some, some kids, um, you know, if, if we uh, as parents become aware that our children have a, you know, the start of what we now know as a limiting belief in terms of their creativity or their body or their confidence or self-esteem or worthiness and all of that sort of thing, um, you know, is, is it reversible? Is it a thing, like you said, that we can actually kind of repurpose and try and build a different filter that says I am really good at art or I am really entrepreneurial or I am beautiful or I am worthy of love and all of that sort of thing? Like, what's the what's the kind of early intervention <laughs> stuff mm-hmm. for our yeah, children for, for, for our children yeah what mm. a great question what a fantastic question claire yeah it's so important isn't it mm. um we're not going to change the fact we have this filter that's organic that's the brain um what what i would say to that i suppose is that what we want to instill in our children is less about their achievements and more about their value. Okay. So instead of, you know, we're very driven in our culture to acknowledge and celebrate our children's achievements. There's a role for that. But if that's all we're focusing on, you know, the fact they got, um, you know, the prize um, for English and they, they were the top goal scorer in netball. I mean, if, if we're just looking at their achievements and those are the only things we're celebrating about the children, then you, it's just a little bit um, achievement dependent, isn't it? So what happens then is they equate their self-worth to their achievements mm-hmm. and that makes them vulnerable mm. um, because when they don't achieve and, when, in, and as they grow into that, 
adolescents and adulthood where they perhaps don't have the achievements that they think they should, mm. they're going to be kind of vulnerable to getting a bit um, anxious, depressed, potentially that kind sure. of, yeah. of or, or at least suffer some sort of self-worth issues. Mm. So I, I would say one of the things to parents is that to make sure that you're also acknowledging the value the value of the children. So what I'm talking about is things like their generosity to others, mm. their kindness, yes. their thoughtfulness. So when they come home and, and you know, they're talking about um, the fact that, that their, their friend didn't have any lunch and, and they shared their sandwich or, mm. you know, something so beautiful, wow, do you want to make pay that some value in the family? You, do you, yeah, you right. want to give the message to them <laughs> that their generosity and thoughtfulness and kindness was just so beautiful mm, it's so as a you know it's right up there isn't it with their mm. grades yeah um so that's that's an enormously important thing to, to nourish in our children because mm. that's about them them feeling that sense of worth not based mm. on their just their achievements but who they are as a person right and, and, and what we, is valuable um something we try and do a lot of as well is is to praise the effort like even if they whether mm -hmm. whether or not the outcome was achieved whether or not they managed to balance the blocks up or tidy their own like whatever they did but it, you know it's sort of saying you tried really hard on that didn't you like if you try and yeah. get them to say a word or learn the alphabet or something and they completely, you know, don't do it right. It's like, you're trying really hard. Well done for, you know, sticking with it and that sort of thing. So praising um, the effort rather than the outcome. Um, and sometimes I think, well, maybe I still shouldn't be doing that. But. Oh, look, I, th I think that sounds perfectly okay. It's still a little focused on the achievement. Yes, yeah. Isn't it? Like mm. like what, what you want to maybe, maybe just to throw in the recipe as well alongside that, you know, is, is something... Um, else in terms of their let's say um their persistence yes or their you know their um willingness to kind of work hard um oh. that's that's even still a bit close to achievement isn't it but just to have it yeah it's, go into yeah help out yeah hmm. yeah yeah that, that you know maybe maybe they worked collaboratively with their sibling and yes. that they were really good at sharing <laughs> and that's funny felicity that's really funny <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i have a two and a four year old they're not working they're not working great together not collaborating <laughs> yeah no, no they are yeah. no i shouldn't say that they are pretty good no that's really beautiful i'm super conscious of that and i know that there's a lot of um listeners who are probably mums who are super keen to kind yeah. of i mean we don't want to overprotect our kids either i know i'm a big believer that they also need to sort of feel some of that hardship and all that sort of thing so that they can have that resilience but naturally i do just want to wrap them up in cotton wool and never have them you know fear that they are bad people or anti-achievers or any, anything like that mm. so thank you for that um and i just wanted to go back also to what you were saying about um getting that uh when when you come up to um uh negative thought or something that you habitually kind of feel a bit mm -hmm. shitty about or something like that and going and doing something physical this is something that's kind of new in my sphere of um, listening and, and I'm really really interested we've recently um, installed a punching bag in our garage which we call the angry bag so that if any of us the children or the adults have got the shits about something instead of blowing our top and yelling and screaming and all that sort of thing we go out and we say I'm just I just need a couple of minutes and we go and just have a little punch and um, it's something I started doing with my four-year-old uh, probably a couple of months ago just with a pillow. I was like, you look really angry. Let's go put that anger into a punching bag, into the pillow. So we'd like just and kind of really do that whole really high, fast vibration or we'll go outside and run around or roughhouse for a little yeah. while. And 
gosh, it makes such a big difference. So I know that it works like on a vibrational and an energetic kind of level that your body Mm. just has this thing where um, it can kind of get that thing out. But I hadn't really thought about it until you just said that you can actually kind of reprogram some of your responses by actually physically changing. So I guess when you're doing that kind of fast thing, you're actually physically changing what's going on in your body at that stage, like your heart and your hormones and all that sort of thing, just by doing something really fast paced. So is that kind that's of... Right. Like, that's right, that's yeah, um, right. Yeah, sorry. No, sorry. Was that kind of where like the neural pathways are kind of... Is that yes. that, that thing? Yeah, cool. Yes, so there's two things. It, it's, it's, that's correct. You, you, when you're reconditioning your responses, you're growing new neural pathways. Mm. Even just in the attempt of doing a different behaviour at that point, hmm. uh, you, you're going to start growing new neural pathways. And like any new path, if you think of, of a new pathway being made through... The, the scrub or the bushland, um, you know, someone might walk it first. So it's just a, it's a tiny little track. And then the more often you walk it, the more mm. worn down that pathway becomes. And then you may find actually, you know what, this is a really great direction to go. Um, I'm going to bring in the, the dozer and actually clear this path a bit. And then I might want to even concrete it. So or right. actually, whatever, the, whatever you do. So you, you, you strengthen by repeating the behaviour, you strengthen that, that direction, that new pathway until it's really, that's the main response you then right. have when you're under pressure or you're getting rejected or abandoned or whatever the, yeah. the, 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 comp, the challenge is. Mm. Um, so you write about the neural pathways and that's a fascinating part of, of um, mm. neuroscience and psychology. You're also changing in the moment. You're also changing the neurochemical balance. You're quite right in your body. You're changing mm. up all sorts of things neurochemically, which is why I'm talking about changing state from one state to a different right. state. You're yeah. actually doing yeah. something neurochemically, which is beneficial to um, kind of anchoring the change mm. and, in, and and making sure that you, if you keep breaking something at the same point, it'll it'll break. Mm, and that's what right. that's what that physical shift is in the moment that you're breaking the pattern, not allowing yourself to go down the old pathway. Mm. I love it. I really love that analogy. Um, and so, if we um, look at this through the eye of an entrepreneur or someone who's either thinking about starting a business or is already in a business and is ready to take the next step or ready to start or wanting to start a new project or mm-hmm. changing the direction or up leveling as we call it and that sort of thing. Um, are there any specific kind of things like, um, you know, if we're sitting at our desk or whatever, uh, is it still to sort of knock down those limiting beliefs and to start, I guess, have the confidence to get started or to take the plunge or to do the first step of whatever that big thing is? What's, what's the secret? Is there a secret? I know you, um, the Artist Way talks a little bit about this. I'm sort of familiar with the Artist Way and some of the... Um, the actions and the activities that are taught in that book. So are there some of those sorts of things and new habits that you can start creating to actually have a bit more, to make that process a bit easier and a bit more flow to sort of get started? Well, I mean, the first part of the answer, I suppose, we've already addressed, which is about addressing the psychological part, mm-hmm. the limiting beliefs, um, it's always hard for me to sort of suggest people take an action step without addressing the mindset, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because, you know, once if you don't address the mindset, if you don't believe you're good enough to, to step into this new business venture, then it doesn't really it doesn't matter, matter what, what we tell you to go and do. Yeah. You're kind of going to trip yourself up, aren't you? <laughs> so, so true. 
<laughs> and we've both been yes. there. We've both been there in our businesses, haven't we? We both yeah. totally know exactly, um, <laughs> you know, that, that moment where you, you are sitting in front of your computer and then you're like, oh, geez, I better just go and hang the washing out, you know, yeah. and, yeah. instead of recording your podcast. <laughs> um, or or sending a newsletter. Yeah, yeah, the silver drawer news. But I don't need. To, I'll, I'll do that newsletter in, in five minutes, and the mm. newsletter is not done for a week, right? So we, <laughs> it's because we fear, we sab, we self sabotage. We're, maybe we're the perfectionist. Um, it's, so it's really hard to say to you. Here's some action steps before we address the mindset. But oh. having said that, um, and I know your listeners would have heard this before, it is really about taking action, mm. isn't it? Mm. And maybe to take action. I teach my um, clients a little thing I made up, which is what I call my 10-minute rule. Mm. Now, my 10-minute rule, um, it works. It works. I've, tr- I've tested this with, with probably hundreds of clients now. The 10-minute rule write is... Write this down, yeah, Write this down. Write this down. 10-minute <laughs> rule. So um, the, 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 the rule is that you pick the task that is at hand that you don't want to do um, writing your newsletter or doing your tax return or going for a walk because you need to exercise. You know, I'm just picking out the common ones that we balk at. Mm -hmm. Um, And you decide to yourself, right, I'm going to just do it for 10 minutes. That's all I'm going to do, 10 minutes on the task. Mm. And so two things happen. 10 minutes for some reason, by the way, I don't know why. This is just what I've discovered. 10 minutes feels acceptable enough to the brain that you'll go and do it. Mm If I only have to walk out the door and walk for 10 minutes, I'll, I'll probably, I will do it. I will do it. So what happens is you either do the 10 minutes um, and you feel great because you've done what you said you were going to do mm-hmm. or you get started on the task and that 10 minutes becomes 15, 20, half an hour mm-hmm. and you've won as well because you've done even more than you said yeah, you were going yeah. to do. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It works. It really works. I've tested mm-hmm. it so often. And so that's... That is on a practical level of what can someone do if they're sitting in front of their computer, they want to start this new business, they're wracked with fear, they're going to work on their limiting beliefs, Um, yes, but what do they do this morning, what do they do this afternoon? Try the 10-minute rule, see how that goes. Mm, I love it. And I've heard um, someone else speaking about it recently as well was saying um, around cravings actually it was, and she said if you can just say, right, I'm really craving, I'm really craving that chocolate. And you go, okay, I'm going to have it in 10 minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to wait 10 minutes. Or if you are like oh, okay. drinking wine and you're trying to cut down on drinking wine, like you finish the glass, instead of going and getting another one, wait 10 minutes. So you put your alarm on for 10 minutes. And once you've done that a couple of times, and you're like, yeah, I've done 10 minutes. That's pretty good. What's next? 11 minutes. Like you don't have to stretch it out for an hour, just gradually, gradually, gradually. And, you know, so it doesn't kind of feel so scary. So I think 10 minutes is a bit of a golden kind of rule. And, and I really, really like having a bit of a structure and having a bit of a plan around that sort of thing as well. And so many things that you're probably holding off could actually get done in 10 minutes. Like you can make either a really good dent in it or actually totally finish stuff in 10 minutes if you're actually focused on it <laughs> to get it out. Well, that, that, really yeah, that's probably true too. But the, the, the thing is not to go into it with that objective because mm. then, you'll, you'll, then you won't start. Right, um, because it still feels overwhelming. So we yeah. want to chunk it down. It's just that this ten-minute thing seems to work as as a chunk, and then it becomes yeah. quite um, rewarding when you achieve even just that ten minutes you said you were going to do. However, when you talk about chocolate or wine, I don't know if that will work for me. Okay, um, no, <laughs> we'll make it ten seconds. Okay. With the ten seconds it takes, just don't make to stand a up and wine. walk in the kitchen to get some chocolate wine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
Likewise. Likewise. God damn it. Well, that is awesome. We could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours about limiting beliefs and all the other things that you do. And I'm sure we'll have you on the show another time to talk about creativity and all the other awesome. things that you do that I absolutely you know, love being part of your journey and, and following you and all of that sort of thing. So thanks so much for coming on the show. And, Thank you, Claire. Um, Thank you for being part of my journey. I don't think oh. I'd be here without you. You've oh. been an, an absolute <laughs> blessing to me. And oh, um, I love the work that you do too. So oh, thank, you. thank you. Thanks well, for having me too. Good little team. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Felicity, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way? We'll obviously have all of your links in the show notes, but what's the best way that they can work with you right now? Um, email you. Awesome. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I have a fantastic team of, of clearly of which Claire you are, are the, the um, two I see. <laughs> so um, there is a website, um, felicityoconnor.com, and there's links to the Artists Way program and information on, on the online program that I run. Um, mm-hmm. And I do individual sessions by Skype, unless you live close by to me in New South Wales, then you can do something face to face. So I do a lot of all that. You can find out all of that on, on the website and there's a contact page on the website mm-hmm. um instagram is kind of my thing mm-hmm. as an artist um if you probably noticed Beautiful. and yes. so um certainly in terms of just kind of following up on the art stuff instagrams and my facebook page are probably my social media strengths that's right. a good way to find out Beautiful. and message me if you need to through that and if you do want to email me Email Claire. I'm serious about that. So it's team at felicityoconnor.com. <laughs> and my yep. gorgeous girls all handle that for me. So yes, thanks, Claire. Cool. And also yeah. Felicity has her own podcast called This Creative Life, which is gorgeous. So um, Felicity talks to people in the creativity world and also does some solo shows, which are super informative and interesting. And there's webinars. And, yeah, there's loads of ways to get lots of Felicity in your life and I strongly recommend <laughs> that you do it. So thanks again Thank for you. coming on and I'll talk to you thanks. really soon. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. And that is absolutely it, my lovely. So I hope you've really enjoyed the episode. It was great fun recording that one as it is with all of them. If you'd like to connect, I'd love to stay in touch with you. I have a beautiful Facebook group um, community at bit.ly forward slash The Recovering Perfectionist Crew with all um, capital T, R, P and C. I also have a massive goal this year to get 50,000 downloads on my podcast and I've got a YouTube show as well. So I'd love for you to help me out if you can by either subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. So if you want to go over and do that now, that would be awesome. If you have a couple of favorite episodes or if there's one favorite episode that you've really enjoyed, I would love you to share that with anyone who you think would get as much out of it as you have as well. And while you're in iTunes, if you can jump in and give it a review, that would be amazing. iTunes definitely helps out podcasts that have got some some good ratings and reviews and some really interactive listeners. So I would really appreciate your help with getting to my goal of 50,000 in 2017. The show is also available over on YouTube. The links are always in the show notes, so you can um, head over there. So it's The Recovering Perfectionist on YouTube. There's a channel for that as well. So jump in and leave your comments. You can watch all of the episodes in video. So if you want to see what we look like and our crazy hand gestures and uh, facial expressions and all of that sort of thing, absolutely jump in. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel show as well. And then you'll be kept up to date when there's some uh, new episodes that come in there. 
So yeah, love your support. And if you want to shoot me an email, it's hello at clairebarton.com.au. Always happy to receive your emails and yeah, open up a conversation. All right, big love. I'll chat with you soon. Bye.